election night, uh, restless, my spirit was uh, in pain as I prayed and prayed and prayed and begged God that he'd have mercy upon us. Uh, this election was not like any election I was ever familiar with in my life. There was an election, it was an election that seemed like it was light versus darkness. It was not about people. It was about a platform. Elections most of the time really are never about people. They're about the platform. What do these people believe that they're going to do with us and for us? Uh, there are, I think, parallels to what happened this last Tuesday. I think it's a reoccurring event in history as, these war, as the war between truth and error continues. And we'll continue past all of us until Jesus comes and finally settles it. The Prince of Peace will put his feet on the Mount of Olives and it'll be settled from that point. But until then, there's a constant coming and going, uh, an expanding and a contracting of light and darkness. Um, you say, well, I don't appreciate referring to politics in a sermon, well, when you get to be a senior pastor, don't ever do it. I have, an, I have a lot of reading, biblical Bible reading to do for you. And please don't have your baby till after the sermon. Uh, but I have an, a, a quite a bit of Bible. We have a doctor. We have two doctors. You can take the animal doctor or you take the human doctor, whichever one. Well, <laughs> You're closer to him. He may have delivered more babies. I don't know. Uh, okay. I have a lot to speak about. It's been on my heart. This message was definitely given to me. It is. I have wrestled uh, put it, by, the, by the grace of God put it together. And I want you to take it right. You don't have to agree with me. But what is going on in America is not about Democrats and Republicans. It's about light and darkness. I don't care what you call them. You can call the parties any way you want to call them, but their platform represents two different philosophies. It represents philosophies. You know, politics never got into religion. 
normally until a few years ago. And all of a sudden they started in 1973, said they want to start murdering babies. They got into where we're at. We didn't interfere with them. We had Apollo. We, we accepted biblical truth long before they ever came around. They have come into our arena. This is about morality. This is about fundamental things that are some 6,000 years old. Not just 200 years old, not just 300, but 6,000 years old, like marriage between a man and a woman. When you start getting into those areas, expect us as Christians to start opposing you. And expect preachers to stand up and say something about it and not to sit back and let it, ha- let it go on until they're arrested and thrown in prison. And I believe they did. The evangelical group is the single largest voting block in America. And we voted 81% this year, the largest percentage that we ever voted. And so that's, that made a difference. It made a difference. Praise the Lord. I, I see a parallel in history I want to show to you and hopefully get some truth out of this, spiritual truth. It's, it's not about politics. It's about spiritual truth, but bigger things. I want to show you, take your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 37. Now, if you're a young Christian, a new Christian, not familiar with the Bible, some of this is going to go over your head. But this is like going to a golden corral. You can't eat everything there. Just take what you can eat and don't ruin the rest. And so some of this is for, we got, we got Christians in this room older than I am. They've been saved longer than I am old. And so this is going to feed them. This is also going to feed the Christian who got saved last week. By the way, door to door yesterday, we had five people ask Jesus to save them. We, we called on almost 500 homes. Gave them, gave them what we could, what they'd let us give of the gospel. Thank you for all coming. So in Isaiah chapter 37, I'm going to read verse 14 for 32. It's a lot of reading. I know it. It's, this is not my normal uh, methodology for preaching, but I'm, I'm going to go quickly on some of this because I'll come back to it and clarify it if you don't get it right away. Please trust me on this. By the end of it, I hopefully you'll understand where I've tried to go and where the Holy Spirit is going. I'm going to read quickly just so you have an overview Isaiah chapter 37 and verses 14 through 32. Um, Hezekiah is a king of the last two tribes of Israel that are left. The ten tribes of the north have already been overtaken by this country called Assyria. And so the last two tribes, which mainly the capital was was Jerusalem, uh, the Assyrians have come up to them to conquer them. They have conquered everybody they ever attacked. They are the superpower of the time. Hezekiah is a king at Jerusalem, and it says, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God. Even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. I want you to notice two things. Number one, there's only one God. There's one nation under one God. And we did not get here by evolution. We got here by creation. You say evolution, you can believe any way you want. You can believe any way you want, but one way is right and one way is wrong. And God and the people who want to get God's attention always go to this area. 
They say, God, thou art the one who created all that is. That's what they say here, too. Thou hast made heaven. That's everything the, the, the telescopes look at and earth. In the, incline thine ear, O Lord. Hear, open thine eyes. O Lord, see. Hear all the words of Sennacherib. That's the Assyrian king, which has sent to which he has sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the king of the Assyrians have laid waste all the nations and their countries. They have cast their, their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood, stone thereof, they have destroyed them. Now therefore, o Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. There's a group of people say there's many roads to heaven. That is not true. There is but one road through one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent unto Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, whereas thou hast prayed to, to me against the Sennacherib king of Assyria, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. I like this. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, hath despised thee, and hath laughed thee to scorn, and the daughter of Jerusalem hath shaken her head at thee. Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? And against whom hast thou exalted thy voice, and lifted up thine eyes on high, even against the Holy One of Israel? By thy servants thou hast reproached the Lord, and hast said, The multitude of my chariots am I come up to the height of the mountains, the sides of Lebanon, and I will be cut down the tall cedars thereof, and the choice fir trees thereof, and I will enter into the heights of his border, and the forest of his carmel. I have digged and drunk water with the sole of my feet. Have I dried up the rivers and besieged places? Hast thou not heard long ago? Have I not done it? And as ancient times have I not formed it? Now have I brought it to pass that thou shouldest be uh, to lay waste fenced cities into ruinous heaps. Basically, God's telling them, look, the only reason that you've been able to do anything is because of me. Therefore, their inhabitants were of small power. They were dismayed before Assyria is talking. They were dismayed and they were confounded and they were as grass of the field and as a green herb, as a grass of the housetops and as the corn blasted before it has grown up. But I know thy abode and thy going out, and thy coming in, and I want you to circle or underline the next few words, and thy rage against me. And the next phrase, because thy rage against me, that's a key phrase, and thy tumult is come up into mine ears, and God's speaking, therefore will I put my hook in thy nose, and my bridle in thy lips, and I will turn thee back by the way which thou camest. And this shall be a sign unto thee, you shall eat this year of the growth of itself, the second that which springeth of the same, the third you sow, reap the plant and the vineyards, and eat the fruit thereof. And the remnant that is escaped out of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. God's people are going to be blessed again. Proud of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. That's a small group, but it's a group. And they shall escape them out of Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord has, and the host shall do this. I believe what they faced is similar to what we just faced. Judah and Hezekiah being their king faced an insurmountable enemy, Assyria. 
No one had ever stood before Assyria, no one. They had conquered every opponent that came up against them. This was the same Assyria, by the way, that Jonah, remember the book of Jonah? Jonah swallowed by the, by the great fish or whale and was eventually cast up on shore, went and preached, and the whole city got saved. That was Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of this nation called Assyria. That was about 80 years before the writing of what you just read. 80 years before Assyria had come down upon Israel, Jonah, somehow or another, as a prophet, knew they were going to come and judge Israel and be used to judge Israel. I believe that's why Jonah didn't want to go. He knew this was the nation. Why would you want me to go and preach to this nation? These are the I want them to be destroyed. If you've read Jonah and know much about it, you know Jonah wanted Assyria to be destroyed. He did not want them to repent. He said, 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. He was hoping that was it. But... <laughs> Look what he says in Jonah 4.2. He says, uh, and, I, and he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled I before you unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and great in kindness and repentance of evil. Basically, Jonah said, I know you're a forgiving and gracious God. If people will repent, even Assyria, you'll forgive them. And he did. Their greatest recorded revival anywhere in history was the city of Nineveh when it repented of their wickedness and violence. God forgave them and extended their life out for 150 more, 150 years more. Now, at our reading that we just read, here Sennacherib, Rabshake, has come down upon Jerusalem to take it. Hezekiah, child of God, or child of, uh, uh, the king of Israel, is sitting there in the city. He's surrounded by a couple hundred thousand soldiers. There's no way out. They're not going to win. They're outnumbered. And what do they do? Nowhere else to go but God. Our text is where we were Monday. We were surrounded as Hezekiah was. We were outnumbered as Hezekiah was. Article after article said that there was never going to be another conservative president with a conservative platform elected in America because there just simply was not enough of us. We were, in fact, they called us the outnumbered. No one believed we could win. There was little hope unless a miracle took place. The liberals, like the Assyrians, were celebrating their victory party before the election. They had already bought their robes for the speech and made their speeches up and rented their property. The liberals, like the Assyrians, were celebrating. They were laughing at us and as, they, as, as the Assyrians laughed at Jerusalem. They were trying to scare us as Rabshakeh the representative of Assyria tried to scare Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem. I want to take a few minutes this morning and analyze this text in the 36-37 chapter of Isaiah and kind of show you some what I consider to be parallels between the two situations. Number one, there was a, first there was, a, there, there was sweeping victories that the heathens had. There was the sweeping victories of the heathen Assyrians, as true with the liberals in America in the last few years. 
Rabshakeh was empowered by these past victories. Sennacherib and Rabshakeh and the Syrians thought they had it, thought they were finally there, thought there was nothing able to stand in front of them. Their past victories caused them to have a sense of arrogance. I read that, and if you take your Bible one chapter back in Isaiah 36, 8 through 10. Now therefore give pledges, I pray thee, this is Rabshakeh talking, to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give thee 2,000 horses if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. He was mocking them. He says, look, you folks, I'll give you 2,000 horses. Put riders on them. It won't make any difference. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put, thy, and put thy trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? And in verse 10, especially in Isaiah 36, I want you to note that. And am I now come up without the Lord? They were religious. Against, against this land to destroy it, the Lord said unto me, Go up against the land and destroy it. They fell, the Assyrians fell, as also the forces of darkness often feel. That God was on their side. That they have a noble cause. That they had a cause given to them from God to destroy the ancient landmarks. To overturn traditional marriage which has been established for 6,000 years. What kind of arrogance does a group of people have when they believe that they can reinvent something that's been around for 6,000 years? And if I may say worked well, or they wouldn't be here. They felt God was on their side to overturn God's creation of male and female, instead sanctioning transgender, we used to call transvestitism, to overturn the principle of work and reward with welfare and taxation, to overturn the freedom of religion with tolerance and political correctness, to fuel lawlessness rather than civil order, to reward our enemies and starve our veterans, to allow us to be overrun with illegal immigration, to change our culture and our heritage without the due process of law. That to make women to rule over men, to make children to rule over parents, uh, this was their noble cause to go up against this land and destroy it. Listen again to Isaiah chapter 36, verse 14 through 16. Then saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. That was what Hezekiah said. This city shall not be delivered into the hands of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, he said, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me. And eat everyone under his vine, everyone under his fig tree, and drink everyone of the waters of his own cistern. They appealed, if you just don't fight us, you'll be able to eat, you'll be able to live. Uh, we'll make sure your econ economics is good. They felt that Hezekiah's only hope 
of, of deliverance from the Assyrians was to compromise his belief system and to join them in their cause. If they didn't, they wouldn't be able to survive because no one else had ever stood before them. And Hezekiah's God and faith would not be able to make a difference either. Isaiah chapter 36, verse 18 through 20. He says, Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered his hand out of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of uh, Sephir, whatever that name is? And have delivered uh, Samaria out of my hand. Who are they among all the gods of these lands that have delivered their land out of my hand? The Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. Let me tell you the mistake darkness has. The mistake that they make over and over again. Is the battle starts out just one to one, but it gets bigger than that. It's like the guy who insults you, but that's not enough. He begins to insult your mother. You can insult me, but don't insult my mother. It's not good enough for them just to insult who we are and what we believe and to mock us and call us dinosaurs. They start mocking the God we worship. They start mocking the faith. They start mocking the Bible. They say, you are following a book that was written some 3,600 years ago? What is wrong with you? Get progressive. Assyria made their mistake because they took on Jehovah God. They challenged his power. They challenged Jehovah God's abilities. They challenged and taunted his people. They laughed the people of God to scorn. Go ahead and pray. Prayer won't do anything. It's not going any further than the ceiling. They got cocky because of a few victories they had. Secondly, I notice in this passage, it caused God's people to humble themselves and to seek his face. I believe God has allowed the horrible things that have happened in the last few years so that Christians would wake up. So that Christians, God knows us. It's, it's got to be bad before we wake up. Let's read it, if you would, Isaiah 37, 1 through 4. It came to pass when Hezekiah heard that the threatening words of Rabshakeh, which we read earlier, that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shibna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests to cover the sackcloth and Isaiah. They sent him to Isaiah the prophet, some Amos. They said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This is a day of deep trouble of rebuke, of blasphemy, for the children are come to birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words of which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. It's sad but true, is it not? that God's people often have to have their back against the wall before they begin to seek God's face. 
But as our brother preached so aptly this morning and ordered by the Holy Spirit, when you get between a rock and a hard place, go up. Go up. I think we just got to get to the place where we've got nowhere else to turn. You know, I heard over and over again, read all kinds of articles that said this was a direction-changing election. One guy on Fox News says, listen, don't you think that if Hillary wins, this is going to be as, as life as usual. Your America will never be the same. They have an agenda to silence us and to flip everything upside down. People that work get penalized. People that don't work get rewarded. Is that not upside down? The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't even eat. If you don't eat, you're going to want to work. The Bible knows, amen. How long are you going to go if you don't have food before you're willing to work? It won't be too long. It won't be too long. You'll be willing to pick up scraps. You'll be willing to pick up trash. You'll be willing to clean the highways. You'll be willing to sweep the sweep the pavement. You'll do whatever you got to do so you can get some food. And if it wouldn't be for the country people, you wouldn't have food in the cities. They said the country people shouldn't be able to control election. I'm saying the country people are feeding you. In most cases, overfeeding. Why not pray like we just prayed in these last few weeks? And I've been praying almost a year on this. Why not pray like that when things are going good? Why not go to go not go see God's face out from here out? God showed up for, for Jerusalem. Hezekiah's prayer in Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 37, verses 15 through 20, is a model prayer for us all. Let's read it again. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline thy ear, O Lord, hear, open thine eyes, O Lord, and see, hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. That's what I was praying. Hear the reproaches, O God, of these people to what you've instituted. Hear their reproach against heterosexual marriage. Hear their reproach against your law. Hear their reproach against your Bible. Hear their reproach against your people. God, hear it! And deliver us. Why? Ultimately, that they may know that thou art Lord. That they may know what we know. That the Lord Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the key. This is the key. God's reputation was impugned. Why did we win the election? Because God's reputation was impugned. That's why. It wasn't for you and me. We get the benefit of it. We get the blessing of it. But the real cause was they finally got God's attention by just one too many times insulting him. They insulted the God that made him. 
the God that feeds them, the God that clothes them. See, they don't realize that he feeds them, that he clothes them, that he gives them the water they drink that's pure without pollution, that he helps them. They don't realize that it's God. They've denied him. It wasn't, it wasn't Russia for about 71 years had as their slogan, God is dead. Now, you may not remember that being 21 years old. But we old boys remember that God is dead. I remember 1962, the missile crisis, when Nikita Khrushchev took his shoe off and beat the pulpit and said, we will bury you. Man, my dad looked at mom and he said, look, they're going to nuke us. I was like, oh, I'm only 12 years old. I thought I was going to live a long life. problem with Russia was their cry went all the way up to heaven. And he said, you know, <laughs> I feed you, I clothe you. Because the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. God gives, God gives blessings to people who hate him this morning. He feeds those who hate him this morning. He clothes those who hate him this morning. He lets them get by with all kinds of stuff until they come to this invisible line that Reb Shaka came to, that Sennacherib came to, that I believe the, the, uh, the liberals came to, where they finally just insulted God just one too many times. He says, I'm going to have to show you I'm still here. God cares about his reputation. You can look through the Bible as a challenge, and you'll find a prophetic formula, they call it. And the prophetic formula says that they may know that I am the Lord. You'll see that over and over and over. God does a lot of what he does that people will eventually know that he is the Lord. Why? He loves you. He wants you to know the truth. He doesn't want you to be deceived. Listen, nobody that loves somebody wants them to, wants them to live in deception, wants them to live a lie. People, if you love somebody, you want them to know the truth because the truth is what's going to last forever. Lies come, lies go. You want them to know something that's real, something that's going to last. You want them to know the Word of God and Jesus Christ. All I can say is, hey, liberals, God's bigger than what you thought he was. Hey, liberals, it took a miracle to win the election. Duh. Hey, liberals, the battle is the Lord's. Otherwise, how can you explain out of 115 polls, 112 said Hillary was going to win easily? How can you explain to country people that haven't voted in years getting off their hands and going and vote? You can't motivate people to do anything. I'm going to tell you something. I've learned something about people. They are stubborn as an old mule. If you, I had goats at my house, and if you grab a male goat by the horns, there's one thing he's going to do. He's going to plant four feet on the ground, and even if he wants to go that way, he ain't going that way. You can grab that goat's horns, and he, he wants to go that way. As soon as you pull this way, he goes that way. Have you ever heard stubborn as an old You can't make people do anything. Man, I wrote, I remember that 3,100-mile drive my wife and I took through seven states, and I saw six Hillary signs. I went country. I didn't go in the city. I went out in the country. I love the country. I love the small-town America. 
and we went out all this small town America, 3,100 miles, and came back in seven days. I tell you, I saw six Hillary signs and thousands, maybe eight thousands of Trump signs. I told my wife, the country people are mad. The country people are stirred up. This thing may turn. God did that. God still controls the heart of the king. God still can turn it whithersoever he will. He's still in power. He's still in control. Thirdly, Assyria created an opportunity for God to show himself strong. The, 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 uh, o- the overwhelming uh, movements of darkness in the last eight years or so have just not done nothing but allowed God a situation where now he can show himself strong on our behalf. It provoked God's people to prayer. It provoked the God of heaven to action. And by the grace of God, Jerusalem was saved. Isaiah 37, 22 to 23. I like it. You know, they mocked God, and they Rabshakeh mocked Hezekiah, and God turns around and mocks them. He says, the virgin, the daughter of of Zion hath despised thee, and have laughed thee to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem have shaken her head at thee. Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? They blasphemed the Holy One of Israel. That's who they blasphemed. They made one major mistake. The forces of darkness always make the same mistake. They raged against God. It's not enough just to rage against us, to rage against our institutions, to rage against the local churches, to rage against the preachers, to rage against all. It's not enough for them to do that. That doesn't satiate their hate. Their hate goes past that. It has to go to our God. And they begin to they begin to rage against God. And that's what causes God to move. And his people to move. In verses 28 and 29 of Chapter 37, they raged against me. Twice it says it there. And lastly, God's people learned, and we learned, hopefully you have learned, that it is God that delivers us. I like in verse 35 of chapter 37, if you want to look at that, for I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake. And for my servant David's sake, I think of how much power David had with God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save Jerusalem from this overwhelming, unbeatable force. They've raged against me. They've impugned my name. They've insulted me. It's come up before me. I know you're praying that the, the, the you know we prayed that America was saved, and we and they, they prayed that Jerusalem was saved. But that's not really why it got saved. It got saved because I'm going to do it for my sake, God said. For my name's sake. And I'm going to do it for my servant David's sake. The angel of the Lord, look in verse 36. This is the pinnacle of the whole thing. Verse 37, chapter 37, verse 36. And the angel of the Lord went forth and smote the camp of the Assyrians, 104 score and 5,000. That's 185,000. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. In other words, there were some people that lived to take the message back. 185,000 of their main soldiers died in one night. It's not hard for God to do that. 
It's not hard for God. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Sometimes you may get the idea that God's disconnected from this world. As, as some of those songs, I think it was Bit, uh, Met, Bit, Bit, Met, whatever her name was. Metler? Metler? She sang a song that got so popular, From a Distance. What a blasphemous song. She made out in that song like God is way uninterested, dis, dis, disconnected from a distance. She's not, God is not, first of all, from a distance. He's right here. He's in this room. And he wants to be personally known and fellowship with you. Cheer, dear Christian, if you love the life of unborn babies. Cheer, dear Christian, if you love law and order. Cheer, dear Christian, if you care about traditional marriage. Cheer, dear Christian, if you care about the future world of your children and your grandchildren. Cheer. Because now is the time when we can rejoice over what God has done for us. Let me tell you this. Had it not been that God stepped in for us, it wouldn't be long before there would be no freedom of speech where, we co where we're concerned. It will not be long before polygamy was legal in the United States. It would not be long before everybody was smoking dope. It would not be long before homosexuals and trans transgenders were ruling over us. But God had mercy on us. And he came, and you cried. A lot of you cried, stayed up at night and prayed. I know some of you people stayed up all night, prayed, and asked God to save us. And I remember I went to bed, and I was up and down and in and out. And finally, I just I couldn't watch the TV. I told Brother Moon, if we, if we won, then you call me. Man, it got to be 1 o'clock, no call. Got to be 2 o'clock, no call. My heart began to sink, and it got me more excited. I said, God, you got to save us. For Jesus' sake, save us. So the gospel can go out, save us. So that we can go out in the streets and the highways and compel them to come in, save us. Save us for your name's sake. They want to crush us and destroy us. Their hate for us is mounted up before you. And at 2.40-something, two, two I get a call, and Brother Moon, I said, we won. I got my wife up. You never did that. You don't know how dangerous that is. I said, we won. You can't hurt you. Amen. You, you can't. Amen. You, amen. You can't take my joy. You can't take my joy. You say, brother, and I know there's always somebody trying to take your joy. I mean, you know, there's always somebody out there, wham, brother, man. Just don't say it. Because I don't care what you say. You can't take my joy. Well, you don't know what the future is. I'm not living the future. I'm only living today. And today, I know we won. I'm not saying we. We, truth, won. God's mercy has been poured out upon us. I hope you understand what's happened. By the grace of God, the next four years, if Jesus will give mercy to us, we'll roll a bunch of this junk back. And I'm not talking economics. Do whatever you want to with economics. 
I'm talking morality. I'm talking abortion babies need to be rolled back. I'm talking that we need to take this homosexuality and roll it back. Make it illegal the way it used to be. Oh, yeah. Make it illegal because it is a crime. It's a crime against the people who are doing it, and it's a crime to the people they propagate it to. It's one of those few things that is, is a dead-ended thing. You know, two roosters, that's all you got. You ain't going to have no more chickens. We got one hen here ready to lay an egg. <laughs> Father, help us this morning. May your Holy Spirit come. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We lift up our voices unto thee and say thank you, Father. Our spirits we lift up unto thee and say thank you. Thank you for listening to our prayer and having mercy upon us. Thank you for giving us a little respite, a little nail hold, as Ezra and Nehemiah said. Allowing us a little moment of victory. May we not squander it. May we not go back. May we, may we, the Bible says, purify yourself, even as he is pure. Dear Christian, you want God to continue to help us live a life that is honoring to God. Cast off the sin that does so easily beset you. And run the race that is set before you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Maybe you're here today without Christ. You know there's got to be something more in this life than what's been offered, and there is. My, there's so much more. Let us come and explain it to you. In a moment, we'll see a couple verses just as I am. It's our tradition here at the gospel that we many of us come forward to pray, come forward to Ask somebody to pray with us. Maybe you need some prayer. Somebody will take you in the room behind us, one-to-one, pray with you confidentially, kindly. Why don't you let us pray with you? Maybe your heart is seeking after the living God that made heaven and earth. May he reveal himself to you. Father, you come now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.